Today we're going to be talking about identity. Um, really quick, I just want to summarize the last couple of weeks of what we've been talking about. Um, we talked on the camping trip about your hunger being your strength. God went to Gideon and he said, Gideon, um, I'm going to call you. And Gideon said, Lord, where are the miracles of my fathers? Where are the miracles of my grandfathers? And God said, go in this your strength. But he didn't list his strength. But the strength that he had was his hunger. And the hunger in our hearts is our strength because God says to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And as we're hungry for more of God and we're hungry for all that entails, which is gifts, healings, all that stuff, then God will use that to pull revival out of our hearts. Come on, Jesus. Um, But that was a couple weeks ago. And we talked about prophecy the week before, and that was awesome. But this week we're going to talk about identity. I was really, I was really praying because I want to start going through the spiritual gifts. And um, so far we've just covered prophecy, but um, God really put in my heart that identity is huge. And really understanding your identity as a believer and who we really are is huge. Because out of that identity flows life. Because Jesus actually gave us authority to do signs and wonders. But unless we understand that identity, we're never going to step into it. And so we're going to talk today about our identity. I, I know there's like a, uh, that popular saying, it was like, your identity is in Christ. Yes, your identity is in Christ. But we have to go deeper than that. We have to understand our origins. Because Satan is attacking our mind all day long with false messages of who we are and false identities. He's attacks us with insecurity. Insecurities about how we look, insecurities about who we are, insecurities about how we feel, what's wrong with us, what's right with us. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. So today we're going to talk about identity, because the more solid you are in who you are, the more God can use you to touch those around you. Come on, Jesus. All right, we're just getting started. Um, So we're going to do three points. First is who we are. Second, why is it hard to be who we really are? And third, how do we do, how do we act how we need to act. How do you actually walk out our true identity? So we're going to turn to Genesis 1 verses 26 to 28 and um, we're going to be covering a lot of scripture today. So some of it I'm going to have you turn to it, some of it I'm going to quote, some of it I'm going to paraphrase. So Genesis 1 26 to 28, if you have a Bible, use your Bible. If you have a phone, use your phone. If you're super spiritual and you have it all memorized, that's awesome. I'm not there yet. Come on, Jesus. All right. So Genesis one chapter, uh, Genesis chapter one, verses twenty six through twenty eight talks about our identity, and we might as well go back to the very beginning. So in Genesis one, in verse twenty six, it says, "Then God said, Let us make man in our image.'" And this is a this is a day of creation, the days of creation, and so this is a day where God makes man, and this is very very important what He says about man. Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay, the most important thing based off of, well, the two most important things based off of the amount of times that God repeats it are that we're made in Him, His image. That is huge. So the reason this is huge is because Satan first attacks our identity on how we look, right? You're not tall enough. 
you're not short enough, you're not this, you're not that, your skin color is wrong, you have too much hair, you have too little hair. He attacks us on how we look because if Satan can take us and put us in a box, then he can stop us from doing stuff. The box is just designed to stop you from doing stuff, to demobilize you. But God said you're made in his image. The very first thing he said about man is let's make man in our image. So the first thing you must understand about identity is that you're made in the image of God. And that's literally talking about how you look. So how you look, even though Satan's tried to use it as a stumbling block for a lot of us, literally from the first time we went to school, people like bug us about different stuff. Kids are crazy. They can always find something about everything. I had a buddy who, he looked like, uh, ever know who Heath Ledger is, was? Um, well, he looked exactly like Heath Ledger. And we were talking one night, a um, long time ago, and he was saying how insecure he was about his nose. This guy got hit on like seven or eight times a day by different girls. And he was like, man, I'm just so insecure. He was like, I don't think this girl's going to go out with me. I'm not attractive. But to me, it was like, wow, this guy's like looks killer. But in his mind, he was a prisoner. He was a prisoner. And Satan will literally find something or many things in our life about our image. And that's the first thing he tries to take us hostage with. Something about your image, something about how you look is not good enough, is not right. But God says, you're made in my image. God says, your image is my image. And we have the image of God, which means that we're unstoppable, we're incredible. And no matter what people say, and more importantly, no matter what thoughts go in your head, you're made in God's image, and God loves you, and God wants to grow you, and he wants to create in you a passion and a desire that will drive you to do things that no one else can do. But if you get stuck in this, I'm not good enough, I don't look good enough, then you'll never accomplish what God wants to have you do because you'll be stuck in a, prim in a prison of insecurity. And so the first point is don't let physical stuff get in the way because God says at the very beginning of the Bible, at the very beginning of all this, is you are made in God's image and he loves you for it. Mm -hmm. You look like God. That's not too bad, right? You look like God. That's incredible. So no matter what happens, you can literally wake up every morning, look in the mirror and say, wow, I look like God. Come on, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because God wants to literally build you. And so no matter what happens, there is nothing about you that is wrong. You're beautiful. You're not flawed. You're made in His image. Come on, Jesus. So don't let physical insecurities let Satan get in the way. Because that's something that Satan uses a lot. Physical insecurities, right? But that's why God says at the beginning, you're made in my image. And every other thought about you're not good enough based off of how you look or you're too this or not enough this or whatever is not correct because you're made in God's image. You're right exactly where you're supposed to be. Come on, Jesus. Okay. So, first it made his image. The second is dominion. Dominion is a Hebrew word, um, and in the Hebrew it's memshala. And what it literally means is to rule, like a king or a governor. And so God said, I've given you dominion over everything. And he takes like three verses in there to talk about your dominion. And a lot of times people are like, well, I mean, what's he talking about? Because he just mentions like animals and stuff. No, he says that it's your job to rule over all the earth. So our identity is first, we're made to look like God. We look like God. Second, we are made to rule over the earth. Now, there are people who try and rob you of that and say it's pride or arrogance. But no, 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 you have to understand that 
being a king in your heart doesn't mean you're going around acting better than everyone around you. It just means you know who you are. You're a son of righteousness. God's literally called you as a ruler. It's a gift. You're called to be a king and a priest. You're called to be a queen and a priestess. God's put dominion in your heart. And that's why whenever someone's in prison, either mentally or actually in actual prison, they feel like something's not right. They want to get free because they know that they were made to rule and not be ruled over. Paul says, I won't be brought into captivity by any. And Paul was super humble. But he said, I won't let anyone bring me in capti- into captivity. And so we have to be very, very careful when thoughts come in our mind. Oh, you're not as good as that person. You'll never actually get to that place of rulership. You'll never get that place of leadership. God's put leadership inside of every single person here. Literally every single person. And he's made you to have dominion and to rule over the earth. Obviously, not be a ridiculous ruler. But God literally put the right to rule in each of us. Amen. And so God wants each of us to be kings and priests. He doesn't call certain people and he says, okay, you're a ruler and all of you are slaves. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, we're all kings. All 12 of the disciples, they had different things going on, but they're all called as rulers. Mm -hmm. Which is a really interesting point. Um, But the next point is that we're called as sons. We'll get to that in a second there. Um, But God literally made us to to rule. And our royalty is in our blood. It really is. Our royalty is in our blood because Jesus paid the biggest price. And when he paid the price, he grafted us in. But our royalty is in our blood, in who we actually are. And Satan will come to us and he'll say, no, you're just a servant. You'll never get to that. I mean, they're, they're, one of my biggest pet peeves is there are churches filled with thousands of people and there's only one pastor, but God has gifts inside of each of those people. God wants to pull them out. And send them out into the world and watch them change the world because God's put dominion in each one of our hearts. And so when we're not ruling, we feel like something's wrong. And that's not to misplace the different callings of God. God calls different people to different things. But you have to understand that first, in the beginning, we were called to be in God's image and we were called to rule the earth. And that's what God has for us, is ruling. We're a servant of all, but we serve out of a position of ruling. Come on, Jesus. The difference is, as a servant... As Paul talks about Jesus making himself of no effect and coming down to serve us. So the difference is he had a birthright of kinghood and he said, I get that I'm a king. I'm going to use my authority to serve. But the difference is someone saying, I don't have any other choice because I'm called to be a slave to men, right? But the difference is we have kingship in our heart and we say, I'm going to serve people around us, but I know I'm a king. Come on, Jesus. And that's what God's saying. He's like, you have kings and queens inside of you. You are a king and a queen. And yes, serve your brother, serve your sister, but understand who you are. You're called to dominion and you're called to be made in God's image. The next is that we're actually sons and daughters. We are literally sons and daughters of God. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, Behold how the Father has showed His love upon us, that we would be called the sons and daughters of the living God. Like, that's what it's all about. We're literally the sons and daughters of the living God. That's what happened. We got grafted in. I was reading, actually, in my quiet time today, and God gave me a really cool thing, because a lot of times, there's almost like a pseudo, like, you feel a little bad because you're like, the Jews are so special, and we're grafted in, and we're like, right there, but we're kind of second a little bit. But the cool thing is this. Um, Jacob blessed his 12 sons, and they became the 12 tribes of Israel. And then they were born of blood, but the blood was blood of promise. But Jesus had 12 disciples, and every single one of those disciples represented the new birth. And so Jesus literally redeemed it, and they were all born of the new blood. And so all of the new disciples are the new church, and that's 
where we're grafted from. We're literally part of the new church, which is incredible. And so first, we have to understand we're made in his image. Second, we have dominion. And third, we are sons and daughters. I'm going to read real quick uh, Revelations 5, 9 through 11. It's awesome. So good. But it talks about who we are. If anyone has a Bible, again, that's Revelations 5, 9 through 11. (coughs) Alright. And they sang a new song, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain and purchased from God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be kings and priests to God, and they will reign upon the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. So in verse 11, or in verse 10, he says, I made you kings and priests. That's God's promise. We're made to be kings. We have kings inside of here. We have queens inside of here. That's who we are, is we're royalty. Amen. That's our blood. Our blood is royal blood, which is awesome. Because when you're coming from a place of royalty, you're walking around saying, that's awesome. And you're walking around with a godly type of confidence where you're like, I know who I am so I can approach people and love on people and give people Jesus without worrying about what they do to me because it doesn't matter because I'm a son of God, which is incredible. That's the love that God's bestowed on us that we might be children of God. God's redeemed us into his kingdom by his son so that we're actually children, sons and daughters of righteousness, sons and daughters of God, which is awesome. So that's who we are. Why is it hard? Satan attacks your identity. You have to understand that there's two types of, um, Carrie and I were just talking about this yesterday, there's two types of like uh, uh, satanic oppression. There's possession and there's oppression. But a lot of times there's a really light form of oppression, or I should say not light, but subtle. And so what Satan does is he'll put a thought in your head. I'll just put it there. Maybe it was from someone talking down to you. Maybe it was from one of your peers. Maybe it was just a coworker. But he'll put a thought in your head and then he'll put it on replay. And he'll replay in your mind a lot over years. And every time you face something that's hard, that thought comes to you and says, this is why. And then it just keeps going around. It keeps going around until eventually you hear it so much that you start to think that it's your own thought. And then eventually you take that thought and you turn into your identity. And that's what happens. Because Satan literally has thoughts that he's turned into our identities, that he keeps playing around. You're not good enough. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. You'll never be this. You'll never be that. And he plays around until we literally take it and make it as part of our identity. And that's a form of very subtle oppression until we can't actually see God's version of who we are because of all the blackness in front of us from believing that lie for years and years and years. And it turns people into things who they really aren't just from believing that lie. And the way we get free from that is we get into this and we start believing this. There's a big difference between believing the Bible and, and approaching the Bible with a mindset of faith and just saying, whatever God says I am, this is who I am. Whatever my mind says, this is not. And as you do that, God starts to literally renew your mind, renew your heart, renew your body to his word so you actually start to see stuff from his way instead of your way. So the first thing is Satan attacks you. Again, you don't look good enough. He attacks you with, uh, he puts lies in your heart and mind from different stuff. Um, and those lies start to shape your identity. So we have to be very, very careful that we don't accept that. And a lot of times they're, they're lies from peers, siblings, parents, uncles. It could be from anyone. But we've got to be very careful 
when we take a solid look at ourselves, if you were to write on a piece of paper who you think you are, just like get a piece of paper out and write on it, you have to look at what you write very closely and make sure that it matches up to this. Because if not, you're believing a false identity. And out of that false identity, Satan will literally manipulate you and cause you to do things that are not who you are. And God will not have the ability to use you as strongly because you're believing a lie and you're not believing in your birthright. If you don't believe that you have a birthright or inheritance, you're never going to access it. And you have to access it to be able to actually use it. So first, he attacks your identity. Um, and again, a lot of times it's physical. Second, um, he attacks your dominion, right? He says, you're not who you say you are. You're a big fake. You're just trying to be someone. You're being pretentious. You're not actually who you say you are. You've just been faking it for a lot of people. With guys, a lot of times he, talk, he attacks us with that. You'll never be good enough. You'll never finish that. You'll never whatever. But God literally says you're a king. You have dominion over the land. Like you have dominion. The cool thing about a king is he just walks it out. It's just part of who he is. And as you seek the Father, stuff just starts working out for you. And that's what God does. So the first thing he attacks is your identity, your looks. The second thing he attacks is your position, who you are. And lastly, he uses circumstances, past failures, hopes, crushed dreams, and stuff, dreams that are not realized. He used the past to try and convince you that that's your future. But God literally promises there's like a hundred verses about your future. Jeremiah says, I know the plans for you, says the Lord. Plans of hope and a good future. That's God's plan for you. Hope and a good future. And stuff from your past will not affect your future. God literally wants to call us and God wants to use us so we can change lives around us. And your past does not have to be and will not be your future if you start to believe this over this. Because the Bible is more true than your circumstances and as you believe it, your circumstances will change. I promise. It's just how life works. There are different rules of life. A lot of times we substitute living by faith for living by self-confidence, but the problem with living by self-confidence is you're believing in yourself and you're going to reach a point where you tap out. You can't raise the dead, no matter how much you believe in yourself. You can't heal someone of cancer, no matter how much you believe in yourself. But God is limited, limitless power. Like, you read Hebrews 11, which talks about faith, and he says, with faith, they subdued kingdoms, they subdued giants, they subdued lions. Humanism is going to drop off at, before any of that stuff. With faith, they had their dead raised to life. Humanism just falls off at that point. You can't do it. Because we all need a certain amount of supernatural in our life to actually enjoy and live the way that God wants us to live. And so humanism and self-confidence will fall short. But a mindset of faith, a mindset of believing that God will step in for you, will never fall short. Because God wants to move on your behalf. He's just waiting for you to believe in Him. Amen. Come on, Jesus. Um, so, Satan's big three lies. He'll attack your identity. He'll attack your position. And he'll bring up your circumstances. But God has a much better plan for you. Now, how do we act? How do we like access that? How do we access our identity? I mean, I, honestly, I could just stop here because it's very, very simple. The more time you spend in God's word and actually read it with faith. Don't just read it like a history book because it's not. It could be your future book. Like, history is all past, but Jesus is living today. He's literally right now interceding at the right hand of God. That presence we felt earlier, that's the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He's literally waiting to be released. He's inside of us just waiting for us to release Him from our identity and let Him touch everyone around us. That heart you have when you see people who are hurting and you want to help them, that's the Holy Spirit. 
He wants to touch him. But we have to be free enough in our identity to where we don't let that get in the way and where we can just go for it. We can just love people. We can just give them everything because we're not afraid of them, because we don't have to be, because we're not part of that whole mindset thing. We're literally just sons of God walking around. We're daughters of God walking around in life, enjoying life, waiting for God to give us an opportunity to touch somebody, to help somebody, to love somebody, to pray for somebody, and let God actually use us. But I won't stop there because I have a couple of bullet points. But the question is, how do we act like that? Um, yeah, I'll do it. Come on, Jesus. I'm going to read Luke 5, verses 11 through 32. And this is about the prodigal son. And the cool thing, it's not like a, a salvation message right now. That's not the way we're reading it. We're reading it to understand how God sees us. Because this is how Jesus explained how God sees us. It's a parable that talks about our identity. And it's a parable that talks about our sonship. It's a parable that talks about who we are. So we want to, need to read it that way. It's Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. We're not going to read the whole thing. I want you to understand too at the beginning um, of this chapter, Jesus enters it by the Pharisees saying, hey, you're eating too much with the tax collectors, you're spending too much time with the sinners. And Jesus says, wouldn't you, if you had a lost sheep, wouldn't you leave the 99 and go after the lost sheep? So Jesus starts this parable to explain to the Pharisees why God seeks after us. 15, verse 11, And he said, A man had two sons, the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of this state that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant land. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens and of that country, and he sent... he was. He sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. And no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. This is a very, very important verse to focus on, 19. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion on him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found and it began to celebrate. Then it goes on to talk about the, the elder son. But verse 19, Satan attacks his identity. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. We spend, some of us will spend years in verse 19 where we're literally thinking because of stuff I've done, because of stuff I haven't done, because of where I was, because where I wasn't was, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And that is a lie from Satan. That's something that Satan puts on replay and will keep you in bondage for years. Because of stuff I haven't done, I'm no longer worthy to be called the son of God. But I'll be a servant because at least a servant gets to get close to God. 
But that's not what God has for us. God has sonship. And immediately God smacks that down with three verses. And the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf. Kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. And has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. The father talks about his son in present tense. Because his identity never changed. His mindset just changed. And that's what happened to us as we're living through life is that our identity does not change. We are sons of righteousness. We're sons of God. We're daughters of God. We're daughters of righteousness. But Satan attacks our identity with our mind and we go to verse 19 and in verse 19 God says, we say to ourselves, we're not worthy. We're not sons. But God says, no, you are. And I love you. And I want to pull the kingdom out of you. I literally want to pull the kingdom of heaven out of you. I want to touch you. And I want to use you for the kingdom. Because it's God's good will. To bring us out. So good. Come on, Jesus. Um, But we have to be very, very careful that we don't get stuck in verse 19. Because verse 19 will disable you. It'll stop you from doing stuff. And more than that, it'll lock you in a prison of insecurity. And God doesn't want you to spend a second there. He wants you to go on and live life and enjoy life so that he can actually use you and so that he can love you and have a relationship. You have to remember the first thing he did is he hugged his son. He entered back into that relationship. That's what it's about. Satan wants to separate the relationship. If we're doubting our sonship, we cut off the relationship. But as soon as we get back into God's presence and say, Oh wait, I'm a son. Daddy, here I am. God says, Hug. By the way, you're a son. Here's a robe. Oh, by the way, you also have dominion over all my house. Oh, by the way, you're a king. So that's God's version of the gospel is that we actually are sons. And we have dominion instantly. He reminds him right away. So we have to be be very careful um, for how that we stay in this and that we stay in the Word of God. And we believe God's Word versus our circumstances because our circumstances, our past, our history will deprive us of who we actually are and our identity. And if we let that happen, we'll keep ourselves locked in a chain and we'll never access all the things that God wants to do through us. Come on, Jesus. So we're going to summarize here. Who are we? God made us in His image. God gave us dominion. We are kings, priests, princesses, queens. God literally made us to be just like Him. And that's our identity. Don't believe lies about how you look. Don't believe lies about your position or who you're called. The job that you work does not define who you are. It's just something you do. It's not who you are. You're just making money. Don't be confused and say, oh, I'm an accountant. Oh, I'm a construction guy. Oh, I'm a personal trainer. Don't be confused. It's just something you do. That's not who you are. Who you are is a son. You just happen to be in that position right then. But God has calling, and he has incredible stuff. And the more you access and just get into God's presence and into his word, the more we'll find out who we are. Come on, Jesus. Um, let's close in uh, prayer.